Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. This is a podcast about music where we talk through a band's career and rank their albums and pick our favourite songs along the way. My name is Gordon. I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And today we're going to talk about Suede. If you want to catch up on any of our articles or anything like that, you can find us at jeffreymusic.rocks. And on the social media stuff at Jeffrey Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. The research for the podcast, I read a few books, arguably too many, because I've read four. <laughs> you read four? I read I didn't four realize books. That. Oh, right. Yeah. So I started off with Brett, Aden- Brett Anderson's Cold Black Mornings, which if you're doing a podcast about suede, is not really of any use. But it is a really good book. What is it about? Is it, if it's not about suede, is it his thoughts on other things or? It is autobiographical, autobiographical, but it it sort of ends when suede gets going. Oh, okay. So like his childhood and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is a really, it is a really good book and would recommend it as a book as a read, but, but not if you're trying to do a podcast such as this. His His second book, which was the next one, Afternoons with the Blinds Drawn is a band biography from his point of view, obviously. That was a lot more suitable. I then moved on to Here They Come With Their Makeup On by Jane Savage, which is just about recording coming up specifically. There's a little bit, bits and pieces of other things, which I didn't realise when I bought it, but it still is very sort of light and easy read, a good read as well. And then finally, I ended up with Suede, the biography by David Barnett, um, which is an official biography. And that was, it was originally released years ago as Love and Poison, I think. And it was re-released when Suede got back together with lots of footnotes. So it says lots of comments that have come from people, his own comments or picking up on errors and just commenting generally. Is it good? All recommended, yeah. All very good. You probably don't need to read all four. And we both watched... The documentary, which is also very good, the, the Insatiable Ones, which also goes through a lot of the same information. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it's really good that, I think it's Simon the drummer who annoyed everyone by recording everything on his little video camera. It does mean that you can see things from very, very early gigs and studio footage that probably would not exist if he'd not done this. Yeah, it it has quite a lot of that real fly-on-the-wall footage which, as you say, makes it a lot more interesting. And I actually didn't realise they were a band with so much of a story because I just thought they were this pretty decent Britpop band that came out that were a bit more interesting and better than most of the other bands around at the time. They had, And then they'd sort of fallen away and had a bit of a comeback. I didn't realise there was much more to it than that. But there is. Yeah, definitely. I think most people know, obviously, Bernard Butler left. Yeah, but yeah, I knew that. There's a yeah. little bit more to the stories. So they start off as Brett Anderson, Matt Osman and Justine Frischman. And then they recruit Bernard Butler with an advert asking for someone who's into the Smiths, Commotions, Bowie, Pet Shop Boys, No Musos. And they ended up with Bernard Butler, who I think arguably is a muso. I think that's the first word you'd use to describe him, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. In a long list of other words, that uh, in- including talented, definitely. But Muso would definitely be right up the top. Yeah. But obviously, it, it has certainly initially worked out, working together. They eventually decided that their drum machine 
wasn't reliable enough because it kept breaking down and that they should recruit a drummer. Initially got Justin Welsh, who lasted for about six weeks. It turned out he was in about six or seven other bands. Um, so ironically, ended up being less reliable than the drum machine. Um, so he lasted a few weeks. They then put another ad in asking for somebody sort of Smith's influenced and ended up with Mike Joyce replying. Right, well, he's certainly Miss Smith's influence, doesn't he? Definitely. He certainly fits that bill. He didn't join the band, but he did do a bit of sort of session work with them. And, and then they finally ended up Because this was with... before they were signed, of course. Or before well, they before, re- yes. Before they released an album. And so if you're just setting up a band and your favourite band's drummer, Mike Joyce from the Smiths, if he should, you'd, you'd brick yourself, wouldn't you? I mean, the very idea of, of that, I, I can't imagine how just how unnerving that would be. Yeah, I think it would be um, incredibly distracting, wouldn't it, as well, from the whole thing. I don't think you would be I think be they made the right decision. Carry. They made the right decision not going for him because they recognised the distraction because then it would become Mike Joyce's band. Yes, yeah, I think so. And it, At least initially, it would. That would be the thing that caught everyone's attention. Yes, definitely. And I don't, I don't think, no, I don't, not sure who made the decision, but I think it was the right one. And they ended up with Simon Gilbert, who joined the band shortly after that. And he played the drum kit and retired the drum machine for good. Oh, good for him. So yeah, so while all this is going on, Brett Anderson, who was in a relationship with Justine Fishman, they said they had split up, which created tensions within the band, and it didn't seem to be working. And she did eventually leave the band, which um, supposedly released those tensions and helped, I think, Brett and Bernard get on and start to find the, the suede sound, which started off initially sort of quite poor, so a bit baggy and not really the, the suede we would recognise today. Eventually, and it did take them a while, they did start to begin to sound like them and they got a record deal with Nude Records and they made their debut album, Suede, which came out in 1993. I suppose we should just say as well that Justine Frischman did go on to form Elastica. Indeed, with Justin Welsh, the, the drummer. Yes, with Justin Welsh, the, the drummer, yes, of course. And she ended up within a long-term relationship with Damon Albarn, off of Blur. Indeed, yes. I think when um, Suede was supporting Blur at some point, and this, that's how that happened. And then they went their own ways. But anyway, the Suede, the four-piece Suede, then made the debut album in 1993. What did you think of this one? Well, I remember it from when it first came out, of course. It was, it was quite big news. I mean, it was successful straight away, wasn't it? quite a splash and there was such a unique sound they did sound a lot like that kind of smith's berry link it was the fastest selling debut album i think since never mind the bollocks sex pistols it's since been beaten i think think arctic monkeys were the next to beat it so there, there was um, a lot of interest that i think brett had been on the cover of magazines for 50 60 magazines or something before they'd even released an album or something something crazy like that they sold a hundred thousand in the first week so it was a big deal when they came out yeah, well, he's quite a striking-looking fella, isn't he? And he was almost androgynous. Again, I suppose a bit of a Bowie stylist stylings to him in that in that way. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a great album at the time. I, I really liked it then. I like it now. I think it still stands up. I think it does sound slightly dated, but maybe that's just because it's fixed at that point in my in in my life. You know, from what would it be, nearly thirty years ago? But yes. yeah, I, I think it's a very strong album with a really unique sound. It is a very good example of just how good Bernard Butler is as a musician and as a songwriter and as a song arranger. And I think Brett Anderson, although his vocals I sometimes find a little bit irritating, there's quite a lot of echo on them. I think he's less, his, his voice just doesn't suit the, the slower songs as much. I think he's, he's quite limited 
in terms of his his vocal style makes him quite limited i think in what he can actually do but that said i think it's a really strong album eking out quite different sort of brit pop space than anybody else was in at the time i do think they do still sound their own they did sounds like nothing else really even yeah. though they are you can't sort of hear the smith's influence yeah sometimes more than others i don't mean to suggest the derivative when i say that everybody's influenced but i just it's the best way you can think of or I can think of describing them is that's if you had to name their two influences, that's what I would pick out. And and obviously those are two fantastic things, bands to be influenced by. It's it's certainly not a criticism, but they did sound like their own different, completely different um, thing, and their own different style. They were very stylish, very what's the word? Attention grabbing. I don't know. Is that the word? I think so. I mean, they were they were playing up to the press a bit. The the whole androgynous thing. I don't think that was particularly started off being intentional the press jumped onto that and brett played up to it which he does regret a little bit now he said he was a bisexual man didn't he that although he'd never had a relationship with a man he said well have i remembered rightly well yes and no he did kind of say that it's a slight misquote in the fact that he he said it within the context of talking about songwriting lyric writing so he's talking about how he put himself in the place of other people Oh, I see. But right. I think they also did very much play up to this androgynous stuff and very much didn't really correct the press with, with that phrase. Again, echo, echoes of Bowie, isn't there, with that? Yeah. I mean, at the time as well, you got to think how how many, all those news music papers that were around and they all wanted things to write about. So if you think about the time as well, 93, you're talking about um, quite, you've got grunge, tail, grunge tailing off, I suppose. Guns N' Roses, bands like that were huge. A lot of Britpop was very laddish and grunge and all that was quite blokey. So to actually have this very... It was a little bit pre-Britpop, wasn't it? I think all the laddish stuff, I think, was slightly after. Was it slightly, well, it was, yeah, I guess it was around that, that being Blur were around. Oasis hadn't quite hit the big time, had they? No, you know, there was stuff like that. There was lots of the baggy stuff. So it was, you know, um, Happy Mondays and people like that around. So there were sort of... Oh, yeah, rave and all that stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. God, I hated all that. I thought, what bad luck that when I get to that age of being able to like just go out there in my twenties and do everything. And what, what? I don't get the Beatles or anything like that. I don't get the Sex Pistols. I get bloody rave. I don't. I don't even like taking drugs. Just such bad luck. But anyway, one thing we did get was Suede, as well as many other actually fantastic nineties bands, many of which we've discussed on this podcast before. Yes, and we'll be discussing more as well. Yeah, definitely. such as uh, Radiohead, Deus, etc. But yeah, I, I largely agree with what you've said about this album, anyway. I do think it does sound a little bit dated, but yeah. it generally is great. Pretty much all the songs, apart from, I mean, Alimon Lover is weak. I quite like that. Okay. I don't have a weak song on the album. I think it's the weakest. I don't, I don't think it's rubbish, but the band don't particularly like moving, but I quite like that. I mean, it is very Smith's early could sound to it but yeah it is you know that they're not a fan of that but i quite like but I, that. I do like it as well i agree with you what but, would be yeah. um what what track what tracks are we going to pick then for the playlist for this what have you got at your top cluster well my top cluster are fairly obvious ones it's um so young animal nitrate pantomime horse the drowners oh, mine are the same except i'd also include breakdown okay but other than that, it would be the same. And Pantomime Horse would probably be my weakest of the five that we've both mentioned. So Animal Nitrate and The Drowners would be my probably what I would go for. Okay, I'm fine with that. In the meantime, Suede go off touring and their relationship with 
Bernard is already starting to break down. Bernard, partly being a muso, I think at one point he refused to do press unless it was actually a magazine, so a guitar magazine, which I think he broke anyway. I don't think he stuck to it, but it was perhaps just on a deaverish moment. But I think he was very, very took it all seriously, whereas the rest of the band were more into fun and having drugs, and they weren't really communicating that well. Bernard's father as well was ill and dying, and did die as well, during, I think, on the second American tour. By the end, I think by the end of the second American tour, the Bernard was travelling separately. That tour wasn't going very well either. A little bit upstaged by the support band, the Cranberries, who were becoming really successful. So their relationships were falling apart a bit. They then started writing for Dogman Star, which was basically done separately. So they were basically just delivering cassettes to each other. And a lot of the studio time was pretty separate as well. Bernard was basically slowly falling out with the entire band. Towards the end of the recording, he decided he wasn't happy with the producer, Ed Buller, who'd also produced the first album, and said it's me or him. So Brett said he didn't want to be bullied, and also that the fact that it was obvious Bernard was going to leave anyway. So Bernard did leave the band at that point. So they, they finished off the album, and we get Dogman Star. What about this one? I'm expecting you to really like this one. I think it's quite David Bowie-ish. It makes me sound... It really reminds me of David Bowie as somebody who's not as familiar with David Bowie as a lot of people. So I'm expecting you to love this. Well, I do love David Bowie, as you know. A huge Bowie fan. But yeah, no, I do like this album a lot as well, as you rightly suspect. I think it's... Um, I think it's, If you didn't know all that story that you've just said, if you didn't know that and you just put this on, you'd just think it was a cracking follow-up to what was a really strong debut album. You just think this is really good and it is really good. It's got some great hits on it. We Are The Pigs and um, The Wild Ones and it's got some really strong stuff on it. But it is also baggier. It does have some bits where now I know the story when I listen to it. I'm And I didn't think of this at the time because I didn't know the story. But now looking back, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking it's almost like some of these songs are deliberately provocative. Like where Bernard Butler's really playing with the rest of the band and insisting on a more musically complex and less poppy album. And I think that's what you get. You get some of it just feels quite indulgent and some of it just feels a little bit poorly judged in that sense, for what's really a bit of a pop band. So, yeah, I do really like it, but I think it is a lot more flawed. And I think there are other there are great high points, but there are other bits where you just think, that's really not working. I think that's just Bernard with his head up his ass, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with most of that. I think, you know, the critics called it, ge- well, were, were split. Some of them called it genius, and others called it overblown and pretentious. And I think they're both... Right. I think they're both right. I think yeah, I was, yeah. it's both of those things. Because it, it has it both in there. And the good bits are great. But then I do find myself tailing off a bit. And some of it great. is so overdone and just not for me. Some of it just sounds like far too theatrical and musical and just sort of overblown. Some of the bits reminded me like of Divine Comedy type stuff. But really when they're really throwing everything at it. And I like Divine Comedy, but I, some of this was just too much. It was well turned up to 11, if not 12 or more. But as, it, as it's best, it's great. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I probably wouldn't state it quite as strongly as that. But I agree with what we're saying. We're basically in agreement. The, the, the good bits are fantastic, but it has got this other side to it as well. I think I'd be slightly more positive on it than you are by the sound of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good album. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's the sort of... I don't think it by any stretch their classic album that most people seem to think it is. 
Well, at the time when it was released, I kind of think I thought I, that is what I thought. And it's now looking back, reflecting back, that I, it's gone down in my estimations. And I actually don't think it's as good as the first. But at the time, I did. I did think it was their, their biggie. Maybe I was just caught up in the, the whole suede fanaticism and the, the, them being labelled as these, these wild new journalist geniuses. Which tracks would you pick? Unlike the last one, there are weaker tracks on this for me. I do like introducing the band, but I wouldn't pick it. But I do really like it. I think it's a mm. good kickoff track. I like the way it starts the album. Then it goes into We Are The Pigs, which I think is a great track. So definitely that would be a nomination. The Wild Ones is another biggie. I do actually like The Asphalt World, which is, the I think, the penultimate track. I suspect you probably don't, and I doubt that will get on your list. Um, so they would probably be near the top. And then Heroin, The Power, This Hollywood Life are also reasonably high up. I sort of agree with your list completely. Oh, okay. That's sort of all that. my favorite. With it, I wouldn't have mentioned the power, but if you if if you edit that bit out of what you said, I would agree with everything. So, what do you want to pick then? Which two from what we said? What about um, the asphalt world and wild ones? Yeah, that works for me. I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't think you'd go for the asphalt world as much. That one took me a little bit longer as well to get into. But yeah, I think the album in general wasn't. Um, an instant hit with me. Did need to sort of listen to it a few times, but uh, once you get there, it's um, well. It's often the sign of a good it, album, it is isn't good. it? Yes, it, yeah, it can be. And like you know, I agree with you as well. I, re- I really like sort of introducing the band. It, it just as an opening track, it just really sort of works. So moving on, they um, had to find a guitarist again. Put in a few ads and got some tapes, and they ended up finding a tape from. Uh, Richard Oakes, who eventually joined the band, even though he was a, a school child at the time, basically, I was 17, and don't know if he'd just done his A-levels or, or around there. Um, so he joined for the Dogman Star Tour, which is probably the best way for to join. He can get used to it before having to start on a new album. When they did start the next album, they then also managed to recruit Neil Codling, who is the drummer Simon Gilbert's cousin, I think think he basically turned up to borrow a suit or a jacket or something for an interview and well stayed basically he uh, started messing around with instruments and uh, started contributing and and became a member of the band so we then got we've lost one but two more two in so he mainly plays keyboards right keyboards and um, some backup guitar yeah so the next album is coming up which is 1996 where do you stand on this one well surprisingly good album because at the time, you know, when Bernard Butler left, I kind of, I thought, oh, what's this going to be like? But I think it's really good. I really do. I mean, it is a bit sharper and poppier and brighter than the Definitely previous is. albums, which you might argue it's a bit shallower. Okay. You could probably argue that. But I just think that the strong poppy tracks are so good that that's fine. And I think it's a, just, just a, a really good, a really good album. It still sounds a lot like Suede to me. Even though it has got that brighter, poppier sound, it still sounds a lot like them. I guess because um, Brett Anderson's voice is so distinctive, and and the way it's produced is so distinctive. So I guess you got that consistency of sound that way. But for me, yeah, I think it's a really strong album. I really like it, and I loved it at the time. I thought it was great. So songs like Film Star, I thought were absolute crackers. It does have a few weaker tracks on it. I don't think it's a full album of perfection by any means but i think it's a, a really good bounce back from what from what uh, you know bernard leaving and all that and a great start to the new liner yeah i mean the doing a pop album like this was fully intentional they it was a reaction to dogman star they wanted to do something different 
as they did with Dogman Star, reacting to their first album, and they, they were trying to do something completely different. The idea was to have 10 pop singles, which I don't think they quite pulled off, but... No, they didn't. That's It is nitpicking. It is a very strong, really, really good, it is a pop album, really. I would agree there are... Well, so I'd say uh, there's one track I'm not so so keen on. The rest I really like. I think it's, yeah, really strong, really great album. Which is the one you don't like? Um, Star Crazy. No, I'm not that keen on that one. I mean, the only f- thing really is like, is actually, is it actually too poppy all at once? And really, should they have actually toned it down a bit to make it a little bit more balanced? But, but yeah, it's still really enjoyable to listen to. Going back to remembering it at the real time when it, uh, the time it's actually released, and really enjoying it at the time, and and Suede fast becoming into one of my well, they, they, they'd already been one of my favourite bands, but they were really staying there, which I think was a bit unexpected. As I said, I, I kind of thought that after those first two albums, and I'd really liked those, and I'd liked the Stone Roses when they came out, and now we're getting into the time when Radiohead are big, and Oasis are big, and Blur are big, but still, they managed to maintain it, and grab the, the spotlight with what's a really strong album. I mean, this is the one that I listened to most at the time. Well, Filmstar was a big hit, wasn't it? It was. There was a few. Trash was, I think, the biggest hit. Was that a bigger hit than Filmstar? I think so. I think mainly because it came out before the album. And then there was right. another, another few. Let me find the discography. No, we can get to that. Well, Beautiful Ones is obviously another one that is a big was a big hit. I think it's a really uh, a top track as well. And Saturday Night would be my other track, as well as Film Star and Trash. Yeah. I, mean, and I Trash also like By the Sea as well. Trash was number three in the UK. Right. Um, film Star was number nine. Oh, okay. So I just remember Film of, Star more. Of, um, they were all top ten hits. They had, is it five? Five singles from the album, all top ten. That's pretty good going, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess it was a real, you know, up yours to Bernard, wasn't it? They really showing him. That they didn't need him. Yeah, I think so. And they, they certainly succeeded. Which Richard songs? Oaks. I mean, Richard Oaks, he got bloody lucky, didn't he? 17. You know, as you said, still in short trousers, just coming out of school. And uh, he gets to go on tour with a successful band. And then that's it. He's in the door and musical career on a plate. Well, I think... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had to be pretty good at the guitar to start with, I know. but Yeah. I think also looking from here as well. There's Neil as well, because you think actually the songwriting team of Swede is actually Brett, Neil and Richard. Yes, and it so, used to be Brett and Bernard. So actually Swede looked out as well in getting them both. And if they hadn't recruited Simon as the drummer, they wouldn't have got Neil. Obviously, Richard was well, yeah. looking I mean, as there's, well. Yeah, there's the counterfactuals that you don't know who they'd have got instead, of course. But, but I'm just saying that um, Richard just coming out of school into... A successful band at that age is just incredible. Mm. What a what a lucky break for him. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. I'm just saying it's a fantastic thing to do at 17. I think at 17, I worked in a fish and chip shop. Just just to compare the two things. Yes, there's a slight slight difference. Yeah. Although I did get free fish and chips. Ah. I don't know if Richard Oates could say that. I'm, well, I imagine he didn't. Yeah, well, I imagine he's green with envy. Green with envy. Hmm. The tracks then were, yes. mine, were Trash Film Star, By the Sea, yeah, Beautiful Ones, and Saturday Night. Any crossover? Yeah, largely crossed over there. By the Sea has always been one of my favourites, sort of since day one. So I would okay. definitely like to pick that one as one of them. And then pretty much, I have Film Star slightly down. Probably Beautiful Ones out of those I would pick. All right. Yeah, that's good. Great song. Love it. We never actually discussed with Dogman Star, but we both seemed to sort of say it wasn't as good as Suede. So 
but we didn't actually formally say that. But we are happy to rank that below. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for coming up, where would you rank that? I actually find this quite difficult. It wouldn't be top. Suede would still be top. I would probably put it second above Dogman Star, but I'm not 100% convinced. But I do. Maybe I'm just being sniffy about pop again. I don't know. But I would probably actually go crazy and put it second. I'm fine with that. I would be saying first or second. I think it's definitely um, above Dogman Star for me. Okay, so definitely second then. I don't think it's above Suede for me. I'm happy with that. I think they're both great albums. They're, they're sort of on a similar footing, really. They're both great. They're not perfect. Moving on to Head Music, the next one. This is basically the pinnacle of Brett's drug use and the band having problems. So the songwriting team, Neil is developing cr- uh, chronic fatigue, which I think is the same as ME. So he's quite ill. Richard is feeling left out a bit as they're trying to move in a away from guitars. Um, so he's actually is hitting the bottle a bit. And uh, Brett is at the peak of his drug taking. So nobody is um, at their peak of their songwriting. And I think the, the idea with head music was to make it less guitar focused, more funky, thinking of things like, you know, people like Prince and Tricky and that kind of thing. And we got head music, which... I'm not a big Tricky fan, so I don't really know, but certainly doesn't remind me of Prince. No, nor me, nor Tricky. And I do re- I do like Tricky and Prince. I wouldn't have guessed that they were going for Funky. Yeah, I mean, I guess still in a, in a suede way, but they're going that kind of direction. Apparently, apparently listen to, yeah, sorts of, yeah, Prince, Tricky, Krautrock kind of feeling. But I, I think it just never really... They weren't really functioning as a band properly i think they had a few different producers that i think they and they ended back up with ed again um ed buller but yeah so so what do you think of the album <laughs> let's go from there well i mean uh, they certainly missed the target if they were going to try and sound like prince and tricky and, and get that funky ish vibe going into trip hop stuff or whatever they were trying to do they certainly missed the target by a considerable distance i think it sounds like a suede band falling apart really it's got some very good songs on it it does have some very high points, some good hits that I like, but it, it feels like it's a bit lost and a bit really tails off as an, uh, and there's quite a few misses. Even though there's a few hits, there's a few misses, more than in their previous albums, I think. So the fact that Brett was smoking crack and Richard was drinking and feeling left out and not really relating to Brett, I don't think anyone could relate to Brett at the time, and Neil was, uh, as you say, exhausted, you can... It just shows through as just not been a very good album, quite frankly, with a few good songs on it and a few moments where you there's hope, but it just doesn't last the full album. Most of, especially the la- the latter end of it, I just think it really loses. I think it falls apart. It's quite the word, but it's a- yeah, I agree with most of that. I think the first half is better than the second half. Oh, definitely. It it, it I mean it, it is largely a, a mess, and I think it could have been a lot better. I think Matt, Matt Osman says in the insatiable ones you know there's half a good great album here i think that's right yeah i agree with that and you know so but some of it does feel a little bit for you know electricity the opening track just feels like feels quite forced very swayed by numbers even though it's not a terrible track it's all right yeah it's all right um but it does feel like the thought oh let's write a single a bit like let's write a suede song let's write a you know an opening hit which i think is what they did but it's you know it's just it's not quite it's not quite strong enough it's um I think Brett also in one of his books did say that 
there was a sort of feeling of invincibility as well, ironically, even though they, they were kind of falling apart a bit, because they produced the three albums all completely different and it just felt like whatever they did, they would succeed, which they obviously managed to disprove here. But it's not dreadful. I think some people are very hard on it and it's not, it, I agree, it's, it, it's, it's not terrible compared to the other three before it. It, it really doesn't look that great. So that might be sort of part of the reason as why it gets hit upon so much. Yeah, they've put your expectations so much higher, haven't they? Yeah. If this had been the first album, you'd think it was a fairly decent uh, debut. And, and I think, as you said, what Matt Osmond says, I think it's right. It's half a decent album, half a bit of a mess. And we know the reasons why. My top, I'm only going to say three to see if there's any crossover with these three first, which is, again, pretty obvious. It's Savoir Faire. She's in fashion and asbestos. Any crossover? My three would be uh, Can't Get Enough, Everything Will Flow and Down. Oh, to that run of three tracks there. Yeah. But I'm okay with She's in... I mean, She's in Fashion and Asbestos will both be next. Well, I'll pick Asbestos then, and you pick one of the other three that you said, because they were next for me as well, those three. I'll go with Everything Will Flow, I think. And so, ranking the album, there's no surprise... We're agreed it's at the bottom of these four, yes. Oh, yeah, of course. If it could be bottomer, it would. <laughs> so, moving on, we've got 2002's A New Morning. Brett is now sober and clear. Well, not probably not sober, but um, clean of drugs. And they come to do the next album, which the idea here, I think, is to do more of a sort of acoustic folkier album. This one is without Ed Buller. Um, they get Tony Hoffer in initially, and then Stephen Street eventually comes in and does it, who's worked with Morrissey and Blur. Again, he's, there's a conscious effort, I think, to try and do something different, which they kind of do, I think. But I personally think it's sort of it's a, an incredibly weak album, and it comes across quite bland. Brett's vocals sound really poor, sounds like his voice is going, although apparently... This was intentional and he was just trying to sound different and he's trying to not sound like Suede, which they're sort of partly successful in because it, I mean, to me, it sounds like Suede trying to do rip pop. It's sort of a bit too bland, not interesting enough. I think Positivity, the, the opening song, is really weak. And I think it's probably true of most of it all, even like the better songs, it, which, like, one of my favourite songs on it is, is Beautiful Loser and it just sounds like them copying Oasis to me. Which I think partly is to do with his voice. He sounds a bit like Liam on it. This did take them apparently years and they were just trying to get it right and right. And they ultimately spent too much time and money on it that they couldn't bin it. And I think subsequently they would have liked to. Whereas I think with head music, I think they look back on it more philosophically, which I can understand. If I was in a band, I would be quite happy to have head music in my back catalogue. I wouldn't particularly want it to be my current album and the one out touring and promoting but I'd be okay with it being there. A new morning, I think, well, really? Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. There's no point in me talking. The, the only thing I would disagree with is I don't think Beautiful Loser is a good track at all. I don't like it. It was one of my weaker tracks by far. But apart from that, I agree with everything you said about the album. I just I just found it, it's the first album they've done that I really just don't like and found difficult, just didn't really enjoy listening to that much. Uh, I, there's the odd good song on it and there's bits of some of the songs that I quite like, but... Yeah, it's pretty weak. So you said there's a couple of good songs. My favourite song is Astro Girl. Is that is that one of them? Well, my favourite song is Lonely Girls on the album. Astro Girl isn't a favourite, no. <laughs> Do you have anything else? 
Um, what do you think of Lonely Girls? Sorry, no, that that, that's the is that a low well, one? For it you? is a low one. Yes. Okay, Lost in TV or Street Life are okay. I'm okay with Lost in TV. Well, we can do Lost in TV and Astro Girl if you want. Yeah, I'm happy with that because it's it's not an album I'm interested enough to fight, and it's an album I would rank at, at the bottom. Yes, definitely at the bottom. We also didn't mention actually um, during this the Neil Codling actually left the band during during the recording of this album um, and was joined uh, was sorry was replaced by Alex Lee. So after this album, the band split up. Basically, they sort of considered themselves a bit of a spent force and broke up. And then I think it was in 2010 they were asked to come and do a charity gig, which they did, and that kick started them. They started then playing a few a few gigs, and eventually they recorded a new album which is from 2013, it's called Blood Sports. This is supposedly the start of um, a trilogy of slightly odd left-field albums, which is saying part of actually the team putting the album together. Ed Buller is back as producer, and Neil Codling is, is back on keyboards, guitars, writing team. Brett described this as a cross between Dogman Star and Coming Up, which I think is absolute nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I think he's... Uh... I would say that with rose-coloured spectacles. Yeah, personally, I, I think it it feels a little bit safe as an album. So I wouldn't sort of describe it as odd or left field. But I'd also say it's, it being safe is probably quite understandable with them coming back after a large, you know, a long break. I think Neil had been ill for seven years or something, and they've 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 come back to this. So I think it's it's arguably obviously understandable why they would do that and also it's not really meaning to be a criticism as well because i think suede being safe is actually very good and enjoyable to listen to i do like the album and i think there are a couple of really good songs on here and nothing bad either what about you well again i I do agree with you i actually think it's quite strong but nothing really stands out that much it's all quite good I would say a little, a couple of tail off slightly toward the end. I think the the first six tracks are stronger than the 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 latter four or three, if I'm counting correctly. But yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I certainly don't think it's left field. Uh, certainly, it sounds like a a more mature, decent suede album that doesn't massively grab my attention, but that's quite good. That seems a fair summary, with the exception of you seem to have the uh, sometimes I feel I'll float away as one of the weaker tracks. Yes, correct. Which um, I have as my favourite track. I, I do feel I don't feel there is a, a a bad track, but I also don't feel there's a massive standout track. Hmm. So I like all of the tracks on the album. The first six a bit more than the other three. Which so which would you, if pick, you could out pick? First six are the first six. Uh, maybe Snowblind. I'm okay with that. If I can um, push in my sometimes I'll I feel I'll float away, and we can put in yeah. Snowblind. That's all right for me. Yeah. I get, well, to be fair, actually, I, I like the whole thing, to be honest. I'm not really... that. The, what are you not telling me? I don't think it's a particularly strong track. But the rest of it, I, li- I like it all. Yeah, I don't like what are you not telling me. I think that's my weakest track on the album by a long way. I don't think that really works. But other than that, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's actually pretty... But, you know, no standouts, as I say. But I won't just keep repeating that point. Mm-hmm. But I mean that that track as well is the shortest on the album. It is only three minutes, so it's very forgivable. It feels longer. <laughs> so the next album, oh, we haven't we have uh, to rank it. We got to rank, rank it, it, haven't we? Yeah, I knew that. Okay, so ranking the album, where would you put Blood Sports? Well, I would put it above Head Music. 
I would agree with that. And it's not okay. going any further, is it? I don't think. No, God, no. Definitely not going into the, the top three or whatever it would be. Four. Three. Because New Morning's bottom. Then oh, three, music. yes, you're right. Yes, yes there's only three above it. Those pesky numbers confusing me again. Well, we are getting into high numbers now, aren't we? We are, yeah. Three and four. Well, on to album seven, which is 2016, the second in the Odd Stroke Left Field trilogy. And I think this is teetering into that area now. A little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like a progression on from the last album and a positive one as well. I do think it is overall stronger. There are a couple of weak tracks on it, but generally I think overall it's actually, it is better. It is a little bit more of the same. It is slightly more left field and better. Yeah, I don't have much different to say. I do think it does have a few better tracks. It, my top being like kids. So, oh, okay. But apart from that, I would just agree with you, really. I think it's another um, Ed Buller one producing, but I do think it actually sounds a bit better as well. It's, um... Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Uh, but I mean, Bloodsports I thought was okay as well. I don't sound like I'm slagging it off now. Two minutes ago, I was liking it. But no, I do, I do still think Bloodsports was decent. I just think this is a bit sharper, a bit more interesting, a bit more going on, a bit more varied, a bit more... Uh, the ideas I find a little bit more interesting. There's five or six songs here that I can pick out as being songs that I'd quite enjoy. The Fur and the Feathers, for example. I mentioned, like kids, didn't I? What I'm Trying to Tell You, I quite like. I Don't Know How to Reach You, No Tomorrow and Outsiders. I'd all put, put all of those in a group of songs that I actually really quite like. And and I don't particularly like the When when You Are Young, the, the kickoff track. But apart from that, most of it I do quite like. It doesn't have the same buzz as the first couple of albums. Again, it just feels like that mature suede. Yeah, I think it is a different band, isn't it, post-breakup? It We've got this, as I think, more stabilised, mature band. Yeah. And that's... But you've got that, you've got that perennial, perennial challenge for bands that once you're, you've got your moment in the sun, if you're very lucky, and you get your moment in the sun, like Suede did with those first three and a half albums, and you're relevant and you know, you're slightly ahead of the curve of where the rest of music is. But then what do you do when you you know, 20 years later or whatever it is now, and you're or 10 years later, is it? It's 10 years later and you're older and you're in your 30s and music's moved on. What's the point of you anymore? And I think a lot of bands have that. What is the point of you anymore? How do you still stay relevant? Do you just repeat the past? Because mm. that's what your fans like. Do you try and stay up with where things are now? In which case you end up sounding like Geddy Lee rapping. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you do? You know, and it, it's always that perennial challenge about what bands do and... And I don't, and I think they've 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 managed. I think they do settle into an answer to that question. I think they're finding, and and this album and the last one and this one, they're really finding a kind of just more solid, mature suede sound, which still sounds interesting. Which not all bands do when they come back, and not all bands do when they get into their later thirties, etc. But I think I think they're kind of getting there. Yeah, I would agree with you. So track wise. So if we pick Like Kids, which is your favourite. Okay, what's your favourite first? Tell me. And then my favourite is I Don't Know How to Reach You, which you had in your list, so we could just pick out oh, two yeah. favourites. Okay, yeah, okay. Was Like Kids in your list? Yeah, yeah. I would say don't pick Pale Snow or The Fur and the Feathers. As you know, I said I quite liked The Fur and the Feathers, but Pale Snow a bit less. Well, that obviously when you were young either, not because uh, that's... Yeah. I didn't really count that as a, like a proper song. But everything else I really like. I think it's a good song album. I said, I, I like the sound. It's got that nice sort of dark, haunting quality to it. So it makes it yeah, sound that little bit. Hen- hence the name, Night Thoughts. Yes. I think it's well named. So ranking. Well, I would put it above Blood Sports. 
So above its predecessor. I think definitely. It's whether it would go any further. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it any further. Okay, I'm not going to argue further. I'm, I'm not. It's not going to break sure. into the top three. I, I possibly would put it above Dogman Star, but I'm not 100 percent sure on it. Yeah, I'm fairly sure I wouldn't. So that's that settled. It is. I think it is. So then the next one in the trilogy is The Blue Hour from 2018. This has a different producer, Alan Mulder. And this is the, again, I would say it's a further progression from from the previous two albums. I mean, for me, they've gone a tiny, tiny little bit too far. And I, I don't like it as much as the last album, but I do overall like the album. There are still just some bits I'm not particularly in, interested in a track of a grumpy man burying a dead bird, for example. No, I find that didn't find that particularly engaging. I could bury my own dead bird if I really wanted to. Yeah, I'm a grump. I'm a grumpy man. I've got that bit covered. Yes, there's no shortage of grumpy men. N- not on this podcast. But yeah, so I don't have a lot to say really. I, th- I think you know. I like the album. I think it's also, it does feel more like a concept album in that you can listen to it as a sort of a piece, one piece, and enjoy it still, I think. I don't think it's as strong as the others. And I think as a whole, it's probably greater than the sum of its parts. So it's enjoyable to listen to as a as a piece. But I'm not sure it's as strong as sort of some of the previous albums. Probably the previous two albums, I think I would, I'm going to be uh, sort of trying to rank it below those two, I think. Well, I definitely agree with you to rank it below those two, yes. And I would I would say, again, it's well-named. I mean, the Blue Hour is, they, I think they're calling it like Twilight Hour, the hour that's just before the dark, is that right? I think so, yes. The, the, the colouring's quite blue. Yeah. I, I think that's the, the point of this, and the, and the cover shows that. And I think it's well-named. I think it is quite subdued, and it does have that kind of blue quality, blue as in sort of melancholy quality about it. And I think I like it less than you. I don't particularly enjoy it. I don't really want to listen to it all the way through because I don't really like it. Not just because people are burying dead birds. Well, that's that's part of it. I think Roadkill is one of the weakest songs they've ever made. And I, I actually don't really like this album. It just doesn't work for me. I think it's by far and away the weakest of the trilogy. If if we're accepting the idea that that's a trilogy, I think it's by far the weakest. Yeah, I think it kind of is a stylistic trilogy. Beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I I just find it a bit glum and a bit melancholy and and not particularly engaging. It's just just a bit all right here and there, but not. It just doesn't grab me. Okay, so tracks. Do you have any tracks? Yeah, uh, life is golden and mistress would probably be my top two. I would guess. I also quite like cold hands. I don't mind wastelands. Don't be afraid if nobody loves you. So a few there to pick from. I'll go Life is Golden and Beyond the Outskirts is my other favourite of those two. But then going on to your list, I would say Wastelands. Well, I don't mind Beyond the Outskirts if you want, because that's still, that would be the next. Well, Wastelands is my next, so it's as broad as it's long. Broad as it's long. Let's go with Wastelands. That's quite jolly. All right. So we're ranking. So I would like to put it above head music, but below blood sports. Are you okay with that? Well, do you want it? I lower? would put it below head. I would put it below head music. I've got more affection for head music. I think head music has those stronger pop hits, and as you said, it's half a really good album. Whereas I don't think this is half a really good album. So for me, head music is an album. I, I, I might go back. Probably wouldn't listen to the whole thing, but I might go back and and pick tracks off. But I don't think I'd bother with this album again. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'd, I'd put it below head music. I mean, I I think the Blue Hour is 
consistently better album and I would listen to it whereas head music I wouldn't listen to the album as a whole just probably just flick through it or pick individual tracks yeah I don't I don't need flick through it I agree on head music I wouldn't listen to the whole album yeah so on on that I would say that blue hour deserves All right, to, be, we'll do, to be above it okay that's fine I, that, to me they're quite close to each other I just have more affection for head music again that may be nostalgia talking I think Blue Hour probably has um, actually better song because when they, they, the songs are good, I think they are just as good, if not better, than things that are on head music as well. You know, I think Life is Golden, Wastelands, Fly Tipping as well. They're all, I think, as good, if not better, than the best stuff on head music. All right, you've made your case. Are you going to say to your room? <laughs> and so we come to the new album from 2022, Autofiction which was originally conceived as a kind of live album that were going to get an audience to come into the studio, I think. And the pandemic ruined that, thankfully, I think. Yeah, that's never a good idea. The the Beatles proved that was Let It Be. But it was recorded as live, so they it, it is a kind of live performance and they've left a lot of the mistakes in and the, you know, the counting in with the uh, from the, you know the drumsticks clicking so it does have that live energy which personally i think sounds great did you enjoy the album a lot yes i think this is a really good album and everything you just said about having that energy about it it gives it a different feel yeah i think this is a really strong album and i think this is them as i was saying before about them finding a sound and settling into it to me this is this is them getting there and sounding like a, a, a really strong band so yeah I, I love this album i think it's really strong some of their best stuff ever, I think, is on here. Like That Boy on the Stage. It's a really good song. She Leads Me On's good. Personality Disorder and 15 again. I like both of those. And I like pretty much... I don't dislike anything. There's nothing bad on here. I'm happy with any tracks that we want to put on. The last four tracks are also good. Shadow Self, It's Always the Quiet Ones. What Am I Without You? And Turn Off Your Brain and Yell. I like all of them. There are a couple of slightly weaker, but it's, it's still they're still way above the line, even the weaker tracks hmm. for me. Yeah, I would agree. I think my least favourite track is actually Shadow Self on here. Oh, is it? But yeah, right. but I do, I, I agree with you. I like all the songs. do think it's 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 a cracker. That Boy on the Stage is definitely one of my favourites. Okay, well, that's on there. I think it does say, you know, it has some of the old influences coming out because I think, you know, they, yeah. they've got their glamness. You know, they're, they're heavily influenced by T-Rex, for example, but and, and that's coming out here as well and yeah i don't think it, it's just hugely enjoyable i think the, the sound i think ed, ed buller is back as the producer it's just the but the quality of the songs and the sound and everything that the whole the stars have aligned i think and it's it's, it's a real cracker maybe they've got their confidence you know they they're older they'll be in the 50s they're they've found the sound they're succeeding and they're, they're not they're no longer embarrassed about going back to some of those older influences perhaps as well and they've just got they've got the energy they've got the confidence of a band that's strutting along well in their stride and you're going to see them soon we should have mentioned this at the beginning you're going to see them so when we finish this the bit at the end you can tell us just how good they are live as well now yes i haven't seen them as as we speak but uh yeah in about two weeks i will be going to see them so by the time people listen to this you will have done yes so. in the outro bit after the sting i, I will have seen them so you'll tell us all about it then. Indeed. Tracks. Are we going with that boy on the stage then? Yeah, well, we're agreed with that, aren't yeah. we? And what what else? What was your sort of number two track? I think probably Personality Disorder um, is probably next favourite. Then She Still Leads Me On. I'd, either of those. 
I like them both. She still leads me on probably slightly more, but I don't really mind. I like them both. We'll go with she still leads me on then, if that's your preference. And ranking the album, so we both like it, so we're going to, it's something near the top. I would put it top. Oh, didn't expect that. Well, I was going to go for, I was going to say third above Dogman Star. That's what I was going to say, but below coming up. Okay. I didn't expect you to say top. Blimey. Thrown me there, fella. I think the the top three, I think, are a definite top three, and there's not Agreed. a lot between them. Yeah, agree. For me, so it's not sort of a, a big deal wherever we go on this. I felt that probably Sweden coming up feel a little bit more flawed than autofiction. I don't know whether it... They feel more dated as well. A little, Well, they are, obviously. So I don't know whether yeah. that's a little bit unfair on autofiction because that's the new one and it still feels a lot more exciting than something we were listening to 30 years ago. Well, there is the danger of that, isn't there? That because it's fresher, that we overvalue it slightly. But yeah, I mean, as I said, I, I would put Suede first, coming up second, this third. So... If we want to compromise, I suggest we put it second. So the final list for Suede, we have in ninth place, A New Morning. Eighth, we have Head Music. Seventh is The Blue Hour. Sixth is Blood Sports. Then in fifth, we have Night Thoughts. And then fourth, we have Dogman Star. Third is Coming Up. And second is their latest album, Auto Fiction. And the top album is their debut, Suede. Okay, welcome back. We're a couple of weeks on now. I've since been to see Suede live at, um, where did it go, O2 Academy in Leeds. And we've also been listening a bit more. Well, how how was the gig first? Tell us. Well, the gig was really good. I've I've not seen Suede before live at all. It's um, a slight omission. I think I always felt that um, they were a band I or one of a couple of bands that I would like to see and never have. So that's, that was good to do that. And I really, really enjoyed the gig. I think really liking the new album obviously helped. But yeah, they've got incredible energy. Brett's just storming around and seems to uh, sweat rather a lot. He was glistening by the end of it, I can tell you. A sheen, a sheen upon his forehead. Well, not just his forehead, fella. Oh, right. Was his, was his uh, soaked, his, all, his clothes soaked? His, uh, yeah, his shirt was very, very shiny by the end. Well, so he puts his back into it. Good for him. I also like that you always get an ex- exclusive track or two as well that from the tour. They do change the set list quite a bit. So there's a group of songs that they play at every gig and there's a group that they will rotate a bit. So they will play at some gigs, but not all. And then there's always a, at least, say, two tracks that they won't play anywhere else, which is a nice touch. I really like that. Yeah, so every gig's unique. Yeah, and I think we got Pale Snow, which is off Night Thoughts, and a piano version of Stay Together, which I don't believe they've not played for a long, long time. Possibly, I might not be right here, but I think it um, it might have been the reunion concert for the Teenage Cancer, sort of in 2010-ish. I think that could be the last time they played it. And this the was concert um, that got them back together after the hiatus. Mm, yeah. All right. So, and this was um, a piano version, so just Brett and Neil on piano, which was really nice. It's a much better version than the actual full band version. All right. Well, that's nice. I'd I'd say I agree with you. I like the fact that they create, they try to make each gig have its unique flavor, which is good. Or it's literally unique set list. Obviously, it's unique in every other way, but in terms of actually having a different set list for every gig, I think it's great. Yeah. More bands should do that. Definitely. 
Um, ideally, all of them. I think it is just. Yes. It does. Um, I mean, Suede, I think, particularly. I know a lot of bands have this, but I think Suede do have a lot of obsessive fans who do go around and see multiple gigs. So it is a nice touch that they make that effort. So moving on, what have we got? What's, what's first on our agenda? Is it the album covers? It's album covers next. So I, I'm not really sure what I think about Suede, the album covers. I kind of like them a bit, but not that much. They're obviously, they're all quite arty and conceptual. I'm struggling to pick a, pick a favourite, though. Yeah, I, I agree exactly with that. I don't dislike any of them, but I don't really like any of them that much either. And I would go, probably my favourite would be the last two, which would be Blue Hour and Autofiction. My favourite would be between one of those. And I do like the style of them. I like the way they write suede. I like the, the stylistic sense that they have. Not all of them. I didn't like the coming up head music ones as much. I thought they didn't quite work. But the sort of post-hiatus covers I prefer, actually. So they would be one of my one of those two I would suggest as our favourite, if you're happy with either one of those. Yeah, fine, yeah. I mean, the first two were Brett pink- picking photos out of photography art books. And then from coming up, they actually started commissioning proper covers ironically i think a new morning sort of fits the album bit because it's actually the most boring cover which i'm I'm sure is not their intention with that cover yeah it's probably my least favorite actually yeah sci-fi lullabies covers quite nice as well which is apparently an airfield in northumberland but that's not one of their albums so Uh, we can't it can't be considered for this no so i'd be happy with either of those blue hour do you think yeah i think it's the nicest of them probably yeah, I think Night Thoughts is, is sort of fits the album as well. But, well, they, they all kind of fit the album as well. I think they obviously have put some thought into it. So let's agree on that, on the Blue Hour. Okay, great. The next section is Extra Tracks. So I think we're back to sci-fi lullabies here. I know a lot of the fans do sort of rate it above some of the studio albums. And it's a, it's a collection of B-sides from the first three albums. So we've both had a listen to this a little bit, not quite as in-depth as with the studio albums. What what did you you think of it? I I think it's very good to be a selection of B sides. I think it's really strong, and I quite enjoyed it. It's very long. It's something like twenty six tracks or something like that. So you do or twenty seven, in fact, you do get a bit lost if you're not keeping your head in it. But yeah, I mean, I I, I would say my favourite track is probably the first one, my insatiable one. Yeah, the first track on the album. So if we're going for an extra track, that would probably be my vote. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do think the the first two tracks, My Insatiable One and To The Birds, are both from B-Sides to The Drowners, their first single, and I think are probably two of the strongest songs on it. I largely agree. I think I think it generally is, is good. There are a couple of songs that do definitely feel like B-Sides. I don't particularly like Jumble Sale, Mums, but there is some really good stuff on here, and stuff that's probably less obvious, a little bit more meandering, and is a really nice side to Suede that they don't do on the albums as much. And I think this is probably why they ended up on B-sides. But something like, you know, Europe is our playground, which was co-written by Matt, the bass player, which you can hear in it because it's got a really nice bass line. WSD, I really like. There's quite a few tracks, really, to be honest. There's about half of it I, I really like. But I'm happy to pick my insatiable one as our extra track. I do think it is probably my favourite track off the album as well. Well, that's agreed then. So moving on to live tracks... So I had a, a quick listen to some of the live albums and I felt that the live at the Royal Albert Hall from the, again, this is the gig that was the Teenage Cancer one when they got back together. I went to that one basically because of the sound quality on the album. It seems to be better. 
And the tracks I've put forward were ones where I thought were quality tracks that we've missed. So I've, I've gone for Pantomime Horse off the first album, which I think is really good, and Film Star, which, although it's not one of my favourite suede tracks, I think the guitar, the punky glam guitar in it is, is lovely. Well, I was going to suggest Film Star Live because it is one of my favourites of theirs that we didn't pick. And I do think it's a really strong song live very powerful i agree with you about the guitar so that would be that was going to be my choice and there's quite a few different live albums so i wasn't particularly bothered which version we took it from so film star yes if we're going for two i'm quite happy with pantomime horse as well it's fine i do like that song as well okay well so let's see with that. we do usually pick two tracks although it's not um, there's no official line on it's this. not written in stone on this one is it it isn't no so just looking back at the actual list we've done I'm sort of fairly happy with it. I've, I've been continuing listening since we did the, the main podcast. I generally like our list. I think we've done okay. I would put Night Force above Dogman Star, but it's it's. I think we've reasonably agreed here, haven't we? And we're happy with our list. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't put Night Thoughts above Dogman Star. I might put Dogman Star above Coming Up, depending on what mood I'm in. W- when we did the list, I was more in the mood of Coming Up. Now I'm more in the mood of Dogman Star, but, you know, okay. doesn't really matter. I kind of also like autofiction even more than when we did it, so I am a little bit more persuaded by your idea of putting that top, but I don't think it quite makes it. But that's gone up and up in my estimations. So, yeah, apart from that, yeah, I'm quite happy with the list. I think it's difficult with autofiction because we've also got the excitement of it being actually new properly new yeah exactly yeah and so you wonder in f- it doesn't sound as dated yeah i mean suede is during this podcast recording um hit its 30th anniversary and autofiction isn't a year old yet so in in sort of 10 years or whatever will we still look back so fondly on autofiction and i, I suspect we might do because i think it does sound great i do think the songs are really good i think we might do but obviously we can't just can't can't say that just yet well, no, I mean, you can never say, you don't know if something that's released now will sound dated in 10, 20, 30 years' time, in the same way as the first couple of albums do sound a little bit dated. Not very. I don't think they sound that bad, that bad or anything, but they do sound a little bit dated compared to autofiction, which sounds much more up-to-date, because obviously it is. But yeah, who knows, from the view of 20 years in the future or whatever. But snapshot in time, it is what it is. We think it's a cracker, so we're putting it right up there. Uh, among the top two or three albums that they've done so there so let's leave it there just a reminder you can find everything we do at um jeffreymusic.rocks yeah and on the social medias at jeffrey podcast yes instagram and instagram and twitter yeah not all don't of do them. any others no. can't be bothered to do any others just those two 